Hey gang, this is Trent Chattaker, chiropractor and advocate for chiropractors who locate, analyze, and facilitate the correction of vertebral subluxation for the better expression of the body's innate intelligence. Welcome to today's tick, where each week we study a chiropractic principle, question, or chiropractor to help you acquire today's philosophy, science, and art of chiropractic. Thank you for investing your time with us as a student of chiropractic. Now let the class begin. We began at a following period to study the spine from a mechanical point of view. Until this time, the only people who attempted to study the spine as a machine were osteopaths, although pathologically, they still regarded man as chemistry and physics. We confined our observations of mechanical ideas to the spine, so much so that we brought out the knowledge of the kinematics of the spine, both normal and abnormal, as to position, apposition, and subluxations. We then began to study of the pathological, traumatic, and anomalous conditions of the spine. At that time began the gathering of the osteological collection of which we now possess. For the purpose of educating the theories then held and propagation of others, it became necessary that we know the human spine. That was the keynote of the study of causes of diseases of man. We studied spines of all characters, thousands of other bones that we might better reach a new thought or idea in progress. How well that has been done, you know today. Hours, months, and years were spent in the study of dead bones to be able to give thoughts that may be taught in a few minutes. Yet it took years to reach the conclusions given in a few minutes. R.W. Stevenson, from his 1927 chiropractic textbook, and in today's tick, we're going to continue to grow in our understanding of spinal function, and specifically, a state of function termed tensegrity, and how vertebral subluxation can and does affect the quality of function at that spinal tissue level through a state of change to the spinal tension or tone from impingement. And as you listen, make sure you share us with your friends, classmates, and colleagues, and feel free to tag us at today's tick. Now let the class begin. Using the tensegrity principles of spinal function, we can grow even further with the concept of how tension relates to integrity and how a change in tension due to vertebral subluxation can and does affect the function at that tissue level. You see, there's an estimated 70 trillion cells in the human body, and throughout the entire body, these cells create a network of communication to each other, both locally and globally, through cell-to-cell communication and tissue-to-tissue communication. The body's inherent recuperative powers communicate primarily through the neurological system via mental impulses. The neurological system is the coordinating system within the body, which means it keeps the communication 
taking place across the entire network of those 70 trillion cells working together in harmony. So you've got a state of health. Health means wholeness. Wholeness means harmony. Harmony means together. And that inherent communication that's responsible for this coordination has been defined by R.W. Stevenson in his 1927 chiropractic textbook as mental impulse. He defines mental impulse back then as a unit of mental force for a specific tissue cell for a specific occasion. A special message of sort to a tissue cell for the present instant. Let's dive a little bit deeper on this as this relates to how subluxation impinges overall neurological tissue and overall quality of life. You see, mental impulses are electrical nerve activity with a message embedded within the impulse. I'll say that again. They are mental impulses are electrical nerve activity with a message embedded within the impulse. So rather than looking at a nerve as a completely electrical firing of on or off, it's a on or off with a code inside. The proposed manner that these mental impulses relay information through the nerve system is through codes of modulation of electrical chemical impulses. So modulation means a change, and a change would create a code. Changes in amplitudes and frequency of electrical chemical impulses create different information for the body's inherent capabilities to coordinate trillions of cells. Just think about it. If cells need to increase the production in one area and decrease the production in a different area, there's going to be a different code, there's going to be a different message firing between the brain and these two different areas in the body. And this communication is very similar to understand when looking at the Morse code. The Morse code is a change or modulation in the beat in the coding. And this increase or decrease in coding could be looked at in the neurological system through vibration. Vibration has been talked about in our profession for over a hundred years and vibration is an increase or a decrease in impulse. And an impulse is neurological and a change or a modulation of that impulse relays information for those cells, tissues, and organs to work together in a state of harmony coordinated by the body's inherent recuperative powers or what chiropractors have termed innate intelligence. So where are we going with this? Well, the body's inherent recuperative powers require an optimal state of tone or tension within the neurological system for successful transmission of these mental impulses. What that means is these mental impulses are firing up to speeds of 275 miles an hour through the electrical chemical cable-like structure that provides a pathway for communication to take place across regions of the body in order for the parts of the body to work together in harmony. So the highway of communication requires a cable-like pathway in order for this to take place. 
this pathway requires not too much tension or not too little tension on the cable in order for the modulation of those mental impulses to be unaffected. So the nerves are kind of like wet spaghetti and wet spaghetti, if pulled too tight, will break apart. But as we know, if you don't cook that spaghetti uh, with enough time and heat and it becomes too stiff, uh, that creates a change in function with the spaghetti tissue as well. And so not that we're cooking nerves by any means, but uh, the point of this conversation is the neurological tissue is a very fragile network of nerves connected to each other through long dendrites and receptors. And if too much pressure or stretching is applied to those nerves, it can damage and injure the tissue so that that communication process taking place through the nerves are, is no longer occurring optimally. Research now in the field of mechanobiology is looking at the connection between a change of tension or pressure to tissue and its altered ability to function optimally. They're looking at what happens when an increase in tension or pressure from mechanically distorting the molecules and finding the changes that occur at that cell membrane layer where cell-to-cell -cell communication takes place. So communication for a state of wholeness in the body takes place through cell-to-cell -cell communication and tissue-to-tissue -tissue communication. Neurology is that coordinating part for tissue-to-tissue -tissue or tissue-to-cell. This research in the mechanobiology is looking at cell-to-cell -cell communication, specifically at that cell membrane level, in order to determine what happens when too much pressure is applied to a cell. Looking at a cell kind of like a, a soft egg of sort, where if you put too much pressure in that egg, the egg can break is their theory and the communication that takes place from cell to cell takes primarily through the membrane. The membrane would be that layer, that outer layer of the cell and what we could look at the membrane as is kind of like a gated community. That gated community having a locked fence that opens and closes when cars drive up to motion the gate to open up upon arrival. And so the car driving up to the gate would be that communication protein or molecule that's telling uh, one cell from a different cell uh, some information. And this system, when this system is functional and the gate is properly hinged and the motion detectors are working and the car is driving up appropriately, uh, the car can go in uh, and out with transportation having no slowdown. We don't want too much information and we don't want too little information. We want the information across the 70 trillion cells to take place at the right time and the right quantity. The car would be considered the mechanosensitive protein or molecule responsible for cell-to-cell -cell communication Cells use proteins and signaling molecules to create a cascade of physiological changes within, the, within that cell for a functional change to occur. For example, dopamine, which is a runner's high, which is a uh, protein or is a molecule responsible for telling cells, hey, things are good, things are well, uh, would open the gate 
to the community where the dopamine car drives up to the gate with the specific dopamine receptor. So the gate would be the receptor and the dopamine would be the car. Another example that most, if not all, people understand is insulin. Insulin receptors uh, are the gates for the insulin car. There is specific uh, communication taking place in the specific community for a specific receptor molecule. So without going any further down this physiological rabbit hole that I've taken you, this cell-to-cell -cell communication requires an optimal state of form in the cell wall in order for the gate to open, the receptor to come in, and the mechanosensitive protein to fit within the channel that's being brought into the cell with the message taking place. So when mechanical distension or a change in tension or tone, usually in the form of too much or too little, occurs to the cell tissue from compression or stretching of the tissue, changes can and do occur within the effectiveness and that cell-to-cell -cell communication is what the research is showing. So it's no different than if we bent the gate and hinge and altered the motion detector that allowed the car to drive up to the gated community. What would happen is a backup in car transportation in or out of the community would occur. Where are we going with this? Well, the principles of spinal tensegrity in respect to a change in cellular tissue function have to be considered from a deductive manner where we take something that we know is true and we apply it to the micro level. So if we know that mechanical distension or an increase in tension or tone or compression or stretching can alter cell-to-cell -cell communication, then logically we can conclude a change of tension or pressure to tissue within the spine can alter the function of cell-to-cell -cell membrane communication effectiveness. The spinal tissue is made up of a hierarchy of connective tissue, muscle tissue, and neurological tissue, as discussed on previous episodes here, and they're all responsible for a constant form of communication to each other through a state of tension. So the tissues connecting to each other, letting each other know where that spine is in gravity and where things are, where things should not be, in order for protection and direction of the neurological system. As we know, though, that when stress outweighs the body's ability to adapt in a constructive manner, subluxation can and does alter the functional integrity of spinal tissue. Vertebral subluxation is a condition of a vertebrae that has lost its proper juxtaposition with the bone above or the bone below or both to an extent less than a luxation and it occludes an opening and interferes with the transmission of mental impulses through the neurological system via impingement. Impingement is a new word on this on this episode, on this, on this podcast that I want to pay more attention to, I want you to pay more attention to, because it's not necessarily in the form of a hard bone on a soft nerve that comes to mind when you think of impingement. When I think of impingement, I think of my finger getting impinged into a car door and not a soft uh, not a soft tissue being stretched or pulled, which is where I want you to take this concept. Impingement 
can occur through too much pressure or tension on spinal tissue. The spinal tissue is a network of bones, disc, and connective tissue surrounding the neurological highway of communication that we just discussed for coordination. And the nerves exiting and entering out of the 24 openings or 24 bones that create openings or gated communities like we use as an example so that communication can take place for nerve mental impulses which would be tissue to tissue or tissue to cell communication. If these gated communities which would be the channels or the holes where these nerves are coming in and out of have any alteration in the surrounding tissue around it now the hinges and gates and motion detectors can be negatively affected in this arena as well. So not just cell function but also openings in the tissue. This would be considered an impingement. Impingement can be defined as a negative effect or impact over an area belonging to something else. What is that something else? That something else is that domain of where that tissue is. So if uh, we're looking at spinal tissue in the form of tensegrity, uh, we want optimal tension so that those areas in that spine have their domain in an optimal state of integrity. If too much tension occurs due to vertebral subluxation, now subluxation is impinging an area designed for, let's say, neurological communication to take place because that, that communication over those nerves need to be free of tension or pressure in order for the physiological aspects of a nerve impulse through that electrical chemical firing to occur in a uh, productive manner. You see each vertebrae or vertimere like we've discussed uh, looking at it from an anatomical perspective through the lens of tensegrity creates openings and channels for those nerves to communicate uh, from brain to body and body to brain. These openings and channels require the nerves to be free of tension or pressure in order for the channels of communication to take place across regions from tissue to tissue so that nerves can fire at high rates of 275 miles per hour. When the openings or channels within that spinal column are pinched due to one or more of the vertebrae shifting too much or not enough in an optimal state of integrity, then the state of tension can and does occur between two fulcrum points which produces stress on that surrounding tissue, that other state of domain like we just defined with impingement. Vertebral subluxation interferes with the transmission of mental impulses which negatively affects the state of well-being through a form of impingement on spinal tensegrity. Your body is currently sending and receiving messages throughout the entire body through the neurological system for the purpose of uniting the body's inherent recuperative powers, or i.e. innate intelligence, with cells to tissues to tissues to cells and from tissues to tissues and organs to organs, making up a body of, of different areas working together for a state of harmony, i.e. health, well-being. So, where are we going with this? Here's the final conclusion. Receiving regular chiropractic evaluations and or adjustments for vertebral subluxation to be free of interference to the body's mental impulses allows your body's inherent recuperative powers to function at a higher potential. 
potential. There is healing limitations that I have as a disclaimer on all of these episodes because we all have different levels of potential. And so the purpose of chiropractic is to remove interference at that spinal cord level due to vertebral subluxation. So my recommendations for you if you're not currently seeing a chiropractor is to find a chiropractor and or refer your friends and family to a chiropractor so they can do a consultation, evaluation, and adjustment if necessary in order to enhance that state of well-being. I really enjoyed this episode, one of my favorite ones yet. I look forward to being with you on the next one. Thanks for your time. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode as I did. Let me know what you enjoyed about it by tagging us at Today's Tick on social media. And if this is your first episode, please subscribe. Leave us a review. Reviews help us spread the message about chiropractic and the location analysis, and correction of vertebral subluxation. Share this episode with your friends, classmates, and colleagues. Be a champion and send them this episode. As BJ Palmer said, you never know how far reaching something you think, say, or do today will affect the lives of millions tomorrow. As always, we like to end our episodes with the definition of chiropractic. Chiropractic is a healthcare discipline that recognizes the innate recuperative power of the body to heal itself through identifying and caring for vertebral subluxations due to the relationship between structure and function as coordinated by the neurological system and how that relationship affects the preservation and restoration of well-being. This information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, mitigate, or prescribe the use of any technique as a form of treatment for any physical conditions, symptoms, or diseases. Directly consult with a qualified healthcare professional for any chiropractic or medical advice. In addition to the benefits of chiropractic care, one should also be aware of the existence of some risk. Risk associated with some chiropractic care may include soreness, musculoskeletal sprain, strain, and fracture. In addition, there have been reported cases of stroke associated with chiropractic care. Research and scientific evidence do not establish a cause and effect relationship between chiropractic care and the occurrence of stroke. Rather, studies indicate that people may be consulting chiropractors when they are in the early states of a stroke. In essence, there is a stroke already in process. However, you are being informed of this reported risk.